How could Joseph and Mary forget Jesus? That's the question that we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So, Brian, we are continuing our uh, journey through um, the loose biography of Jesus that we find in the gospels. Um, And so we'll be continuing to jump around a lot from book to book to book, which uh, is always exciting. and um, this this one is an interesting one because the last time we saw Jesus in in our walkthrough and and really the last time we see him in scripture prior to this point, um, he is a toddler. And now we get to um, you know we get to jump up jump up ahead um, about 10 years or so, 12 years from his dedication in the temple. Um, uh, 10 years or so before his, uh, or 10 years or so from when the wise men, uh, visited him, uh, probably about six years after he returned from, uh, from his sojourn in Egypt when Herod was trying to kill him. Um, but, uh, and, and we find him as a preteen in the temple. Yep. And, and so this is the last uh, vignette of Jesus's childhood. The next time we will see him in the gospel's narrative, he will be about 30 years old or so, 18 years or so after this, uh, when he's going to begin his ministry, which we'll cover in future episodes. So this is kind of... Uh, one of the few, and well, I kind of, it is one of the few passages uh, that we have about Jesus as a child, as frustrating as that may be to many of us, uh, but we're not, we're not given much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, this discussion kind of takes care of our normal first question, too, which is about where does this fall in Jesus' life and ministry? I mean, we're talking about him as a 12-year-old. Um, it's the last story of his of his childhood. And there's something else that's significant um, to this as well, which is it's it's the last mention that we see of Joseph. Um, that's right. And so um, it can be presumed that um, that he died between uh, sometime between here and when Jesus began his ministry around 18 years later. Yeah, and that kind of makes the most sense because Mary, of course, is mentioned several times uh, in, in the Gospels after this, but Joseph is not, and and so a lot of uh, a lot of theologians and and commentators suspect that it is, it is because Joseph has died. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that would make certainly make sense. Um, now. When we look at this, what are when we look at this passage? Um, we're looking in uh, Luke chapter two here, the end of this, the end of this passage. Um, um, one of the things that we, what are some of the questions that we should be asking when we are studying this? Well, the first one is is kind of what we let off with, and that's why did Joseph and Mary leave Jesus behind? How, how could they not know that they left Jerusalem and Jesus was not with them? It, you know, as we read this, especially if it's the first time we're encountering this passage, it almost feels like we have a uh, t- uh, bad parents here, you know, Mary and Joseph, just neglectful. Um, you know, we want to call child services on them. That's not the case at all, of course. So I think if we understand 
how uh, people traveled in that day, it really gives clarity of how this innocent mistake could have happened. So let's just talk about that for a second. So today we we jump in our private cars and drive wherever we want and you know it's it's safe it's quick and so forth back then of course that didn't happen you would have to walk it would take a long time and it wasn't safe sometimes as you walked and it could be lonely uh you're you're walking for days on end so traditionally groups traveled together especially something like a pilgrim feast like we see here you would have had large groups of of many families traveling together so as the people traveled, again, for security, from for camaraderie, you would generally have the men walking together in one group and the women and children in another. And that's the key. So here in this passage, Jesus is 12, a preteen. Next year, when he turns 13, he will be considered a man in Jewish culture. He's still a child here. This would have been used by many fathers as a, a trial run for their 12-year-old sons, preparing them for next year. It, this is the last time he's going to visit. Jesus is going to visit Jerusalem as a child. He needs to start learning what it's like to be there as a man in the future. So he probably would have been spending a lot of time with Joseph and the men in Jerusalem those days they were there. So fast forward, they're getting ready to leave. Everybody's gathered together, this large crowd of, of families. They start to move. Mary looks around perhaps, and notices Jesus not with her and the other children and presumes, well, that's because he's been spending time with the men. He's probably walking back with them. Joseph looks around, doesn't see Jesus. He probably presumes, well, Jesus is still a boy. He's traveling with the women and the children. It's not until they're one day out where they stop for the night that they get together and realize, oh no, both of them were wrong. He was not with either of them. And then, of course, they turn around, takes another day to walk back to Jerusalem, and then the third day of searching. So that makes total sense. Uh, we can see there it's it's just an innocent mistake. Mary and Joseph were not neglectful. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And um, I think one of the other things that's there as well is when just when we're thinking about that is, um, I mean, we wonder how long this this was, how long were they they and Jesus separated? And um, certainly there's no there's no less than three days that were that were there. Um, there's certainly the one day out from Jerusalem where um, until they didn't notice he was with them. There was a day back. There was a day searching. There was presumably some time searching for him within the, the traveling group as well. Yeah. Um, so it could be as much as four or five days even that uh, that he was missing. So, or seemed to be missing yes. is maybe uh, is maybe the better way to say it. Um, one of the other questions that we should be asking about this passage, um, I think one of the things that uh, before we get to before we be, before we get into more of the weeds of the narrative is um, one that is always top of mind for people, and um, is I know I know certainly uh, a source of frustration at times um, maybe that's the best way to put it um, which is why why don't we see more of Jesus's childhood in scripture why is this the last thing that yeah. that we get to see yeah and and again that's I like to know things I, I like to understand things and um, 
And it's just the way I'm wired. And I know I'm not alone. There are many other people like me. And so when we look at the Gospels and we say, all right, there are four of, of gospel of the Gospels, and none of them really give us more detail as we're saying, why not? And we have to remember this, that, that God through the scriptures has not given us everything that we might want to know. He's given us everything that we need to know. And while it would be really interesting and and even helpful to a degree for us to know what Jesus's childhood was like. We don't need to know that to, to, um, to apprehend, to comprehend the gospel. And so in God's wisdom, he has not given us that. Uh, again, it's, it, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. However you feel about it, we'd want to know more, but we have to understand we don't need to know the details between when Jesus was 2 and 12 and 12 and 30. Yeah, yeah, and um, what we can say though is, is we do know something about what those years were like because Luke uh, very kindly provides for us a po- a bit of a postscript in verse fifty two yeah. of chapter two, which just says, "And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and with people." Um, and so that basically tells you, um, in a nutshell, everything you need to know. It's he had a pretty quiet and generally unassuming childhood. There weren't significant events that needed to be called out to confirm his identity um, um, or give hints of who he was. Um, But what we do see is is that... um, you know, when it's saying that he increased in wisdom and stature, there's um, there's a twofold thing there, which means, you know, certainly he grew as a human, as physically grew up um, and grew in knowledge from a human perspective. But he um, also was so he grew from being a child to a man. Um, yeah. He grew um he grew in in terms of his application of his knowledge um both of you know in the day-to-day and of god's word um and most important and he had the respect of other people and most importantly he had the favor of god upon him and then that was evident um in how he lived his daily life and how he interacted with others um and so those are the kind of things that we need to know about him and all of those point to um, something that's kind of key with the next question that we have which is was Jesus disobedient to Joseph and Mary yeah and that's a lot of um, I, I've had this question uh, asked of me quite a bit in in studying this passage with with groups because you know you read the passage and it and and the first question is it's not there but underneath of it well how did Jesus stay behind and we, you know, especially for those of us who are parents, we immediately want to go to, how could you do this? What were you thinking? And so we're down this negative path of you did something wrong instead of it being an innocent mistake. And that primes the pump for this question. And then following is how Jesus responds to Mary when she comes and says, basically, hey, how could you do this to us? And he, it seems like it's this, almost a flippant response of how could you not know where I was? I'm here in my father's house. So let me just kind of address both of those together real quick and and we can talk about them. The first point is this, the big idea is no, Jesus was not disobedient. He 
was without sin. That's what uh, Luke is summarizing that you just talked about, Aaron. In, in Luke's summary, he wants to make it crystal clear that Jesus is fully human. He developed as a human does, but he's also God. He was sinless. That's the growing in favor and so forth. We know that he was sinless because he was the sinless sacrifice. So there is no sin here. Uh, again, it was an innocent mistake for him to stay behind. And his response to Mary, um, we don't have tone. So we always have to be careful of reading tone into what we read on the page. Uh, so we don't know how he delivered this. But the gist of what he's saying is not disobedient. It's not sinful. It's it's very matter of fact. It's, it's him saying... You know, come on, I'm 12 now. You have seen uh, me grow and develop. Uh, you, you you should understand this. You, oh, by the way, you had angels visit you. <laughs> um, so this is this should not be surprising to you, Mary. This should not be surprising to you, Joseph. So what what Jesus is doing here is he is showing us that even from the very beginning, he understood his purpose uh in, in coming to earth to please the Father. And God the Father, not Joseph, his earthly father, God the Father's concerns outweighed even those of Joseph and Mary, whom Jesus as their son would have been completely obedient to, would have loved, and so forth. And so this is this is really just a, a passage that reminds us, that shows us uh, that Jesus was fully set on his mission to bring glory to God no matter the cost, which, of course, is going to become really relevant uh, as, as, a, as he begins his ministry as a 30-year-old. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that, uh, one of the other most important questions that we can ask about this is, uh, how does it point us to the gospel? And um, there are certainly a couple of ways that um, that we see this. The first is um, that we see Jesus's clarity of his mission, even as a preteen. So Jesus, even if other people didn't understand this or know this uh, fully, um, he knew his identity. He knew his place. He knew his mission. Um, and he knew that he had come to glorify the Father, and the greatest way that he would ultimately do that was on the cross. Um, when we think about Jesus, what we have to remember is, this, is that he was relentlessly single-minded. Um, everything he did from beginning to end um, was about this purpose, to glorify his yep. Father. Um, and so... And all of it was to ultimately lead him to the cross um, and then to the empty tomb. <laughs> um, yep. And um, because we can't we can't neglect that. The, the gospel isn't done without the resurrection. But um, but the the when we when we look at these stories and we see Jesus as a child, we have to put them in in context of that. And so when we see him being born, um, you know, we we recognize that he was a perfect one year old. You know, he was a perfect baby, but he was still a baby. He, when he was yeah. a toddler, he was a perfect toddler, um, the only perfect toddler. Um, so he probably never had a three-nage year, uh, <laughs> three-nager season, and uh, and you know. 
Mary and Joseph were blessed because of that. Um, but he was still he was still a toddler at one point. He was, um, you know, in this passage, he was a perfect twelve year old, but he was still a twelve year old um, when he. Um, when he was growing through his teens and 20s, he was perfect then too, but he was still a perfect teen in 20 something. Um, and when we see him and when we see him in full maturity, he is, he is, he is perfect then too. Um, and, but every, every step that he takes in his life is intentionally focused on this, on his mission. And so, um, if we miss that, if we, if we see his actions, you know, almost the way that we see them, like we see our own actions, which, you know, sometimes come and go in different, um, you know, basically different flights of fancy, um, whatever, whatever is holding our attention that, that particular moment, um, we get very, we can get very confused by the things that he does. Um, and I think that there's a degree to which we have a tendency to read in, um, our own responses and our own decision-making processes into into the story of Jesus, and we need to be careful not to do that. Jesus did everything he did for a purpose, and it was all to accomplish his mission of glorying the, glorifying the Father through his death and resurrection. Without a doubt. You know, I think another way that we can see the gospel in, in this passage is, is just noticing the primacy of Jesus' teaching ministry. Even as a 12-year-old, what is he doing? He's he's in the, the temple, and, and what we read there, it seems like there's this interchange uh, that he's not simply asking questions of the teachers there. He is sharing with them. It's a back and forth. It's almost as as they're equals, uh, not him being the pupil and them being the teachers. And he's doing this for several days. Uh, again, as, as we were talking about earlier, this this could have been anywhere from three to four to five days um, where Jesus was in Jerusalem in the temple and his parents were out on the journey turning back around and, and looking for him. So what we see here is Jesus hungering uh, to talk with others about God's word, about who God is, and, and, and we can presume the gospel in that time frame. We see later when Jesus begins his ministry, he, he does many different things. He performs miracles, and they were critically important. I do, want, do not mean to diminish them at all. However, he even said it at least on one point, hey, I, I'm going to go because I need to go teach. That's, that's what I've been, you know, that's what I came to do. Um, the miracles pointed toward what Jesus would teach about the gospel. Um, him coming to earth to heal people was not sufficient. He came to earth to proclaim the kingdom and proclaim how people could enter it through him. So teaching in many regards could be considered the primary thing that Jesus did. And again, here in the temple narrative as a 12 year old, we see him taking that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, let's think about this passage from a discipleship perspective. What, uh, what kind of guidance can we offer someone who is, um, who is discipling another person while they're working through this passage? Well, I think one is that this is a passage that reminds us of priorities. Again, we see it with Jesus taking the priority of being in the temple I just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, We see it a little bit in his conversation with Mary. Hey, it's good that I obey you. It's good that I honor you. I need to because that, that, you know, is what we've been commanded to do. But it's better that I honor the Father. So 
think about life. And we are in this weird time right now with this pandemic going on where I think God is giving us the opportunity to do this more than ever before, to reassess priorities. A lot of distractions in life are, are kind of put to the side, at least for a season. And we have this great opportunity to kind of consider what really matters. I've seen this happening already some, and that's a good thing coming out of this, this bad situation. Right versus wrong is relatively easy for us. It's the good versus better, those priorities that can be challenging. Um, and so, you know, for us to learn from Jesus here, to understand, we have to understand and live in a way that affirms our greatest priorities. What are those and how can we do that? That's a great, great teaching point to come out of this passage as you're discipling others. Another thing that uh, that this passage um, provides us an opportunity to is, is really to talk about um, Jesus's dual nature um, of hu- of being both fully human and fully divine. Um, that he's fully man and fully God. Um, that uh, and that he is both of these things without mixture or compromise of either. This is kind of heady stuff, but it's worth. Um, it's definitely worth talking about together, um, particularly if you are. Um, you know, you can introduce these ideas to kids. You can you can go in depth with them um, when you're talking to uh, teenagers. You can try to plumb the depths of those things um, as adult uh, with other adults. Um, you can be surprised at the level of depth of a conversation you can have about these things with a with uh, your kids too, and because you can go pretty deep on it. Um, yeah. Because kids ask really great questions. So um, so don't think that this is a the kind of topic that you should just skip with kids. Um, it's kind of like how the Trinity, it's one that you shouldn't skip with kids. Um, and you also, as we've said in other times and other places, um, for the love of everything, do not use analogies. <laughs> yes. For, because they go bad. They just always go bad. So... Um, you can't you you can't compare something that's incomparable to something um, to something else. So um, I had a, I had yeah. a professor in seminary who uh, was trying to teach this uh, what you just said that that it's it's really hard if not impossible to illustrate uh, Jesus being fully human and fully divine. And so he was drawing a series of circles up on the board. And he's like, all right, let me do this. And the first one, he put like a straight line right down the middle, humanity on one side, deity on the other, and said, okay, does this work? And of course it doesn't because it makes it seem like it's 50-50. And so yeah. he just did about five or six different circles. And that was the point. There's no way you can't come up with a simple illustration yeah. to explain this. Um, and so it's just, we have to remember there are times where we can't simplify something because it just, it's not able to be done. Yeah. And even earlier in recording this episode, I used the term dual nature, and that's the wrong language for this, too. It's not a dual nature that Jesus has, and it's not that he has one nature either that somehow contains both the divinity and the humanity together. Instead, it is two natures in one being that simultaneously exist. This is just the difficulty of imprecise language. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I, I've always just kind of retreated to the three big ideas that while we can't understand this fully, the three big ideas is that Jesus was fully God and fully human without mixture of those 
without compromise of those. So, you know, fully without mixture, without compromise that those are the key ideas. He wasn't some kind of sub God or superhuman mixture. Uh, compromise means that, that his deity did not uh, prevent him from having um, human experiences like emotions and so forth and pain. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's just kind of a way to safeguard myself as I study scripture, just to kind of remember those, those kind of big ideas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the last things that we need to do, um, or we need to do when we're thinking about how we disciple um, disciple this disciple people as we're studying this passage is we need to be careful about about speculating too much about Jesus's childhood. Um, we talked about this at the you know at the top of the podcast, but. Um, it's it's not wrong to wonder about it but but honestly because scripture doesn't speak to it it may not be very helpful um it can certainly lead us into um you know other speculative documents that are out there um that um you know are you know that are that are that are these um, Gnostic gospels. So Gnosticism is basically this idea of secret knowledge that uh, that was being held back, and they're written in the names of many of the many of the apostles, but they weren't written by the apostles. They're written hundreds of years after, and um, and they don't they don't correspond with the gospels that we do have. And so these are, these are documents that are out there. They're basically, they're only helpful for you if you want to understand false teaching. Um, And so, (laughs) so we, we do want to understand that people have been wondering about what Jesus was like um, basically since, since the time that Jesus um, returned to the right hand of the father. Um, And, um, we have to we have to lean on the truth that God gave us all we need, even if it's not all we want in Scripture. Yep, without a doubt. So, uh, so Brian, I think that's a good place for us to uh, wrap this up for today. Um, so, listeners, thank you for uh, tuning in today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.